You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. In this episode, we speak to my husband, Simon Frost, and he is, as the title of this episode says, a very reluctant runner, which makes for a very interesting conversation about running. We also speak very briefly about his recent cancer scare. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, we, are, we have a very special guest, someone who hasn't even listened actually to an episode of the podcast, but I would love to introduce you to my wonderful husband, Simon Frost. Welcome to the podcast, Simon. Thanks, darling. <laughs> it is um, quite a delight to have you here and thank you for filling this spot. <laughs> I did think that people would love to hear from you and what your thoughts are on running so before we get into that though um i know you very well obviously probably more if not definitely more than anyone else that i've spoken to so but everyone listening had does not know you as well as i do so let's go back to the start tell us a little bit about where you grew up i'm a lagana boy so here in tassie yeah grew up in lagana for 18 years then moved to Hobart, did some study, then moved to Sydney, and then moved back to Tasmania. Got married, had kids, been here since. And that's the potted version of your, <laughs> your background. That's it. Tell me about sport as a kid, so about you and, you know, how you, was it just school sport or did you do sport beyond school? Um, I wasn't very keen on sport. I uh, didn't like cricket or football much. Um, and because when I grew a little bit taller, I was six foot four, my hand-eye coordination was pretty horrible. So ball sports were good for me. Um, and about grade seven, I think, maybe grade six, my dad decided that I wasn't fit enough. Oh. <laughs> and that he wanted to get me a bit fitter. So he had a routine of getting us up at about, must have been six o'clock in the morning. And we live on a property, and we lived on a property, and it was half a mile to the front gate. And um, he used to make us all insist that we all walk or run down to the front gate and back uh, before breakfast. And then we'd have a big hearty bowl of porridge, and uh, then we'd go to school or whatever. So I started running. Well, I mean, apart from running as a kid around the place, because every time I wanted to go and see my friends, I had to either get on my bike or run down to the front gate to um, to see meet the next door neighbours. Uh, but as a regimented thing, we did five days a week. We ran down to the front gate and back. Wow. How long did that go on for? Years. Huh. Years and years. Um in fact, my mother still does that to a version. She walks down the front gate and back every day religiously, and she's now 81. 
So wow, that's been a thing of the family for a long time. Um, and then in grade seven, when I get, went to high school, I actually started playing hockey, and then I started rowing. And I started rowing. I don't really oh, I don't remember. It's because my friend Paul had started rowing. Mm -hmm. So I started rowing with him, and then in grade eight, I showed some school with athletics, and I started throwing, throwing and jumping in the field events, and um, ended up being field champion for Riverside High School two years in a row. Awesome. And in that, I started throwing javelin. And that was one of the things I did each morning was um, when I went for the run, came back up, I um, would then spend half an hour throwing the javelin in the paddock with my dad. And so what's one of the family stories about you throwing javelin? Well, there's lots of stories about me throwing javelin. <laughs> the one with the power line. Ah, yes. We have um, some power lines going across the property. And um, some of the really big ones, we also have an 11 kilovolt iron going across the property. And I used to think it was pretty good to be able to throw the javelin over the top of the 11 kilovolt line. And I used to do that most days until one day I misjudged it and the javelin hit the first line and it basically went up and fell across all three lines and exploded into three pieces. Uh-oh. Taking out all the power in. Riverside, right down through to Beaconsfield. Wow. <laughs> the um, hydroelectric company wasn't particularly happy with me that day. <laughs> Did it take long to get the power put back on? Yeah, it took them a while. They had to come down and they had to repair the line, find out what had happened, repair the line, take the aluminium off it, and uh, then rewrap it, rewrap it. So you were you were good at throwing stuff. You'd yep. be good at jumping, probably because your legs had grown quite long. Yep. Uh, and you were you were also rowing. Yeah. Really. Well, so when did you just? I know the rowing became a bit more serious for you uh, later on in your high school years. Yeah. How did what did that look like? So that I can't even imagine if you were running every morning early before porridge, as you said. How did you fit that in, but also rowing because that's notoriously an early morning thing. How did that work? Well, we didn't actually have to row very often in the morning. Okay. We didn't start rowing in the morning until after uh, probably halfway through grade 10. So most of the time we used to go out to the Tamar River on a very windy afternoon and row hmm. either at the tail race or um, from the Tamar Rowing Club mm -hmm. out in the main river. And it was always notorious for having a, a sea breeze in the summertime. And so sometimes we couldn't get onto the water. So that always required us to do weights or, as was usual, run and wait. <laughs> and by that stage, I'd actually decided I didn't like running. Aha, uh -huh, here we go. This is one of the reasons we haven't spoken to Simon yet. <laughs> so um, being quite tall and I was reasonably good in that stage, but not particularly fast. Um, and running with the, you know, the rowing, rowing crew or the actual the whole squad uh, used to always be pretty much last or second last 
uh, on the longer runs. I didn't enjoy it much at all. So and the take it though that those runs weren't just let's go out and and train and turn the legs over. They were quite competitive kind of runs because yeah. there's a bunch it of was always of fellas. Yeah. Yeah. It was never a jog. It was always a flat out run mm -hmm. every time we went out. So we used to have a warm up run. Well, so we got a little bit more serious. We had a warm up run which was from the time of rowing club to the dividing wall and back, which is about 3.2 k's, and that used to be a flat out sprint the whole way, near yep. and back, and um, that was always very challenging. Um, probably not a great way to train either, but that's what we used to do. That was the warm up, and then we'd either do a weight session or we'd go out in the water if the water was coming off. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I think um, training for the youth eight, which would have been in 80, end of 82, 83, that we started doing early morning training. Okay. And trips up to Lake Barrington. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the youth eight, so 84, 83, yeah, about 83, 84, something like that, we used to train 14 times a week. Gosh. So twice a day, every day, um, uh, for at least two hours at a time. I suppose you didn't really need to run to the end of the driveway and back no, anymore. At that stage, <laughs> I'd actually given up running to the end of the driveway and back, and I used to ride my bike in. So I used to ride from Lagana into, into town and then back out again. So ride in the morning and ride out at night. So why was it? Well, the weather was good. How, how old were you then? When it, it, that sounded like pretty serious level of training. Well, that was from age 17 through to age uh, probably 26, I think. Okay. Finished. So yeah. that, uh, obviously other things are going on in your life. I just still don't really understand how you fit in, say, 14 sessions a week or whatever you said it you was. You don't. How does you that don't. happen? When you're doing that sort of level of training, you sleep in between. So... I didn't do anything. I actually dropped out of school mm -hmm. at a reasonably bad time in matric, like not doing particularly well, mainly because I was growing all the time. And then I went to university and the first year of university was a bit of a disaster mm -hmm. because I arrived late after being in, I think we were growing in Western Australia that year at, uh, on the Como River uh, for the youth out again, I think that was. And um, when I came back from that, so I think that was it. I can't really remember now. <laughs> when I came back from that, I arrived back at university late and I never really got into that first year of university. So I didn't do particularly well. And so I decided then university wasn't for me. So I went out and just did training full time mm -hmm. and then Halfway through that year, after training dropped off a bit, I got a job um, as a chainman. Oh, for a um, surveyor? Yeah, for a for surveyor. Anyone who doesn't yeah. know what that is. Which is the subject I was doing at university. Yeah. <clears throat> so it kept me back in surveying. And I did that job for 18 months, two years. While you were still rowing? While around. I was still rowing, yeah. Um, but by that stage, I think... My rowing career was coming to an end. Um, and by the time I got back into university in 86, 
um, I decided I dropped out of King's Cup that year and decided to concentrate on university instead. So can you remember when you were in the thick of all that training and, and getting reasonable results and things from rowing, what kept you going in that? Because obviously it's a big commitment, so much so that you decided, you know, you weren't going to go to uni, you were going to focus on the rowing. What at that time do you think kept you rowing instead of pursuing other things in your life? Um, I love being fit. Mm-hmm. And I love the skill of rowing. I, I didn't actually much like the racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, racing was always pretty stressful, but the training was fantastic. Apart from the uh, running bit. Apart from the Timmy, <laughs> the Timmy torture sessions we had. So, oh, really? Yeah. So that? our coach decided to get in a, a trainer for our fitness. You know, one of the advantage, disadvantages of living in Tasmania is the short daylight hours in the wintertime. And um, if you live in Queensland or elsewhere like that, you can spend most of your time on the water rowing to get fit. Mm-hmm. But in Tasmania, you don't have that, that uh, luxury. So we had to supplement it with other, other things like bike riding and um, running. And being on the off season, so during the on season, you'd be always fit, but in the off season, I'd put on probably a, kilo, a stone of weight. Um, and then coming back into the on season again, so starting around about September, August, September, we'd start doing training. So we'd have a month off and then we'd start training again. And of course, you'd always be on fit. And the fastest way to get fit is to run. Uh-huh. It's, it's a lot less time involved. And so the pre-season training would always be long runs and weights and uh, quite heavy weight. So you'd be wearing your muscles out, then trying to run long distance. And they were actually mutually exclusive as well because muscle building and long distance running don't actually work out very well together. Uh, Long distance running tends to drop muscle mass while weights tends to build it up. And so we would try to build up our endurance and um, our fitness levels in later years by riding instead of running because riding has doesn't have such a negative effect on your muscle mass Hmm. so yeah but for the training of the what's it 83 and 84 youth aches um the coach brought in a a fitness specialist Uh, we used to call him timmy torturer (laughs) because he used to make us do um, well, he didn't make us. He suggested that we do um, a lot more running to get a lot more aerobic fitness. And so we did lots of 16K runs. So distance, yeah, like distance comparative running. to that 3.2 yeah. you were talking about. Yep. So we do a 16K at least once a week. And then we do a 10K at least once or twice a week, and then we'd always still be doing the 3K runs as well. Uh, virtually every session that was our warm-up was a 3K run. But uh, when we were trying to build up um, lactic resistance, uh, he used to make us or have us run either up through the zigzag track on the gorge, mm-hmm. up and down. So run up to the basin and then back down mm-hmm. and the zigzag. Or 
um, and a couple of times, not just once, we'd, sometimes we'd run up over the base and back down the, the cataract walk and then back up and over again. Uh, but most of the time we'd either do sprints on the oval or we'd run the King Street Bridge to Trevallon Stairs, which I think is something like 600 or 700 steps, mm -hmm. um, virtually straight up. And we'd have to do that 10 times. So we'd run it up then jog back down around Trevelyan, then run back up again. Nice. Well, they were pretty bad sessions, those ones. <laughs> so in, in the end, like I know, well, kind of why, well, from your own words, why did you stop? Why did you stop growing and take on university as a thing in your, I guess, early 20s? Um, why not stop? Yeah some stage you realise you're probably not going to make the Olympic team or you're not going to make the Commonwealth Games team. So that was a big goal for those few yeah, years well, earlier yeah. on, was that you would get to that level? I made Australian selection a couple of times and um, I did have aspirations to be either Olympic or Commonwealth Rower. Mm -hmm. um, and closest I got was 10th in that. Um, and we, so, should we say it was also the time of um, the awesome foursome? It was the time of the awesome <laughs> foursome, that's right. When they all managed to go. And um, well, that was the first time they rode for Australia as well. It was in 86, I believe, for the Commonwealth Games in 86. Um, so I missed out on that one and uh, made the King's Cup again for Tasmania that year. And then decided that probably rowing was not taking me anywhere. And I basically didn't have a job anymore. So I figured I probably should go and do something productive. So you picked up your surveying? Picked up my surveying and up. computer science, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then after that, I spent a lot of time on my ass programming. <laughs> so while you, while you were doing, I mean, that's a in saying that, but those um, degree, like that degree, surveying is an outside thing where people are doing, but the computer element is obviously, as you just said, sitting down a lot. How did you, did you find that the surveying helped you balance that? Well, that were my two loves was actually outdoor activity. So mm -hmm. bushwalking was one of my favourite activities. Love being in the bush. And the other one, of course, I was very interested in computers. Okay. And that was when computers were becoming big items. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that was still very basic, like old PDP 1170s and <laughs> Whatever vax machines <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. And computers that took up whole rooms. Yeah. Um, and I was quite interested in the technology and did some early programming on those. So um, where do you think your, um, where did your surveying and the computing, where did that take you? So you finished your degree with um, computer science and surveying. Mm -hmm. What was the next step for you? Where did that take you, that combination? Well, I got, well, actually I did honours in that. Mm -hmm. And um, I chose an honours in surveying over honours in computer science because I was offered both. I chose honours in surveying because it had a a component of the of that particular um, 
grant that's that secured for the honors program, uh, which was a trip to the United States to nice. um, study with uh, National Geodetic Services in the United States. So that sort of pushed me towards the um, the travel aspect, pushed me towards doing um, honors in Samoa. And so I did that, went to the United States, studied for a little bit um, with some of the founding uh, founding minds in the surveying uh, GPS or surveying uh, technology in the world, mm -hmm. a guy called Jerry Maynard. Um, and then when I got back from that, um, a company called Sarge Australasia picked me up uh, because they were agents for a another piece of GPS technology called. Um, developed by a guy called Javad Asaji, who um, started a company called Ashtech. And okay. Ashtech um, was surveying based GPS technology. And they were a sister company to uh, Sars from France. Okay. So anyhow, I went to Sydney. So you, you went to Sydney where, I mean, my knowledge of that is that you actually spent a lot of time, as you said before, sitting on your butt doing the computer version of a lot of that. Like you weren't as, say, people well, might. That's, that's not true. The first two years I was in Sydney, I didn't actually spend much time in Sydney at all. Where were you? I was you? travelling all over the world. Um, doing what? Uh, advising people on how to use GPS, training okay. um, people overseas on how to use GPS for surveying. So this is at a time when technology didn't have the GPS in all of our watches and phones. Well, no. we didn't have mobile phones. <laughs> We didn't have mobile phones. Um, <laughs> At least they were bricks. I was actually working for two years before Windows 3.1 came out. Okay. So that's going back a long time. And this was before the this is before the GLONASS um, network. We have, the Russian network was set up. Uh, well, it was in the pipeline. It just wasn't. No one in the world knew about it. Um, the GPS satellites. There was only eight of them in the sky. And now there's over 24. Wow. Um, so it was so, pretty cutting edge. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, it was very, it was very early, very early stages. So when GPS running, receivers were the size of a briefcase. You're running around the world on this cutting edge bit of science, computing and surveying where it all kind of intersects. Mm -hmm. Are you doing any sport at this point? So it seems like quite a, an all encompassing thing to no, be doing too. I wasn't doing anything at all. In fact, I, I took my bike to Sydney to ride around Sydney and I went for two rides in that first two years. Oh wow. Once was with my flatmates who were very capable triathletes <laughs> and they left me for dead on the bike, uh, especially going up some of the hills. And then I did one ride out past the airport on the, I don't know why I went on the freeway, but it scared me so much I didn't go back on the bike again <laughs> in Sydney. Because I've been hit twice on the bike in Tasmania and I just didn't feel like being hit again um, in Sydney. So do you feel, looking back, do you wish you'd done more sport in that period? No. Um, I still wasn't unfit. Okay. But um, How were you staying fit? I found a dog. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I found a dog in uh, Sydney Park 
uh, one day on my way to work, um, a little whippet, and he was all alone. And um, couldn't find anyone who owned him, so I picked him up and took him to the office with me and uh, adopted him. Mm -hmm. And eventually, after about two months of searching around, I did actually find out who he belonged to uh, and where he came from. Um, anyhow, Nike became my little dog in Sydney. And those and people didn't want him back yeah, either. Didn't want him back, put that no. so, there. so basically, I took Nike for a walk every morning. And at that stage, I was living in Gordon, and there's some beautiful. Um, bush areas in Gordon and walking paths. Mm. So I used to get up every morning and take him for a walk. And he was a very active dog, so he needed to have lots of exercise. So you think that kept you a little fitter than maybe you would have been otherwise? Oh, that. And I had a girlfriend at the stage. He was very fit. So following uh, her around was helpful. Well, she <laughs> was also very kind of bushwalking, so we did quite a bit of bushwalking as well mm. in Sydney. So All right. So the mountains and stuff. And canyoning. Skipping forward a little. Mm -hmm. So you obviously I can you know, I know I, the in that period I did get fat though. I you got, did? Yeah, I got very heavy. Like by the time I finished working with Sergeant, which was when I started my masters in eighty in ninety-six, I think I was 120 kilograms. So wow. I was a big boy. Yeah. So six foot four. I've been I've been 120 kilograms a couple of times. That was one of them. <laughs> All right. So we skip forward. The potted version is you then met me. We had a bunch of kids and we worked together and have been working together basically for about 20 years. Yep. And we've been together for about 25 years or something like that. Yep. Yep, that's the potted version. How did running come back into your life? Well, I didn't want to. <laughs> so. I didn't want any running. I was still quite keen on riding. And one of the first things we did when we were married is buy some bikes. We did. And bought a little seat for um, our very newborn. Mm -hmm. The first time she went for a ride on the bike was when she was only three weeks old. Yeah, in Sydney. Mm -hmm. In Sydney. She was very tiny. And I did have aspirations of spending a lot more time on the bike. But at that stage, again, that was another time when I was 120 kilograms plus. Mm -hmm. And the bike used to groan. I used to groan. It wasn't very pleasant. So how did you how did you end up running again? Because you've been running for quite a while now. Yeah. Consistently. Um, I've always remembered that running is the fastest way to get fit. Mm -hmm. And it's the easiest way to stay fit. Um, it's the easiest because you only need a pair of running shoes and shorts. Um, you don't have to carry your bike around with you. Mm -hmm. The bike I enjoyed, um, but you have to spend at least one and a half times as long on the bike to get the same level of fitness, and you have to actually work a little harder on the bike to get the same level of fitness. So at some stage there, and I can't exactly remember when it was. No, I was trying to think about it myself. So, uh, when did you start running with my Tuesday, Friday? Yeah, I think that's what it was, wasn't it? I started running... Maybe about. Oh, we were working in the office. Right? We had an office in town. Was that it? But then you started running marathons by then. Yeah, that's right. I was running marathons as well. Well, no, sometime during that period of time, I realised I wasn't really fit anymore. I and, didn't enjoy it. And your brain went back to when you were rowing and you thought, well, 
That's the quickest way. Oh, to get I, I, actually, I think I know when it was. Yeah. It was shortly after I spent some time interviewing David Thomas. Of course. That's right. I interviewed David Thomas for an idea I had for an online business. And I started that business and um, I was interviewing David and he inspired me a bit to get mm. back into running because he was um, he was quite motivational, really, in the things that he said about, and that reminded me of how easy it was to get fit running. Gosh, he would only have been... He was only 18, 18 or, or something then, the time, 18 yeah. or 19. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, just after he got third in the middle marathon. Mm -hmm. That's right. And that stage, I didn't think a marathon was in me at all. <laughs> at all. But it did inspire me to do some more reading about um, training techniques, running training techniques. Mm -hmm. And um, I just thought, I can't remember the name of the book, mm -hmm. but I just thought I should give it a go. And, um, but you know, it's not as easy after years of not running to get back into running. But well, we just started um, doing Tuesday and Friday. Yeah, morning, you came it? along into my yeah. group. And at the time, I think for a little while, you were mostly the only male in that I've group. Mostly the only male <laughs> the whole time. So <laughs> we have a couple of the husbands pop in and out. Yeah. So I started just basically walk running. Well, I think we only did it. I think it was like three, four weeks of just walk running, mm -hmm. uh, Tuesdays and Fridays. And eventually, I was able to keep up with you girls. <laughs> and then you were able to go past us at times. Yeah, eventually, I was able to keep up with you. And I think I went from probably 115, 115, 116 kilograms down to about 104, 105 mm -hmm. kilograms over that period of time. So what do you... What do you think about running now? So with that I still was don't a, like it. <laughs> that was about 15 years ago or something yeah. like that when you started running consistently. You've since run a number of marathons. Yeah. I think yeah. I've run seven marathons. Yeah. Um you've still don't run, like running competitively at all. Supported me in a lot of runs as well and our friends, which has yeah. been really good. But it has been a pretty consistent part of your life, not just of your wife's life. For the last 15 years um yeah. even when we were traveling for 18 months we both went out and did regular what we called tourist runs yep. <laughs> but a 5k run i never had to force you to do it you just came out to do it so well, it was routine by that stage is there not something you like about running <laughs> no <laughs> not something i like about running <laughs> there must be something um occasionally like there's been a couple of runs that i have enjoyed yeah there was one run with along with paul wright that mm -hmm. i enjoyed a lot um where he's quite a bit faster than i am mm -hmm. um but he has a patience to actually stick with slower people <laughs> but he sticks with you at a pace that he knows is going to hurt you a little bit and um Basically, he and I ran for 14Ks like that, and that was a really good run. What um, is it? What did you like about it? Was it that tiny yes, bit of stretching, but not so stretching? It was a little bit competitive. Mm -hmm. um, it was quite a fast run for me. It wasn't a fast run for him, but it was quite a fast run for me. And um, it was, a, yeah, quite an enjoyable run. Hmm. 
that one. Um, and there's been a couple like that, a couple of little marathon training runs that have been very good, like enjoyable. I remember one going out to St. Leonard's, which was a 20K run. I think we got out there in just over an hour, about an hour and five minutes, I think. So that was a reasonably quick training run for the, for the turnaround. And then we got back a little bit, an hour, 10, something, mm -hmm. all the way back. So that was, you know, was that about five minute case? So your um, your motivation for something that you like or don't like does seem to revolve a little bit around speed or yeah, about well, I'm always the metrics, the, the things you're looking at. I'm always competitive, but not fast enough to be competitive. Does that do you find that disappoints you sometimes, or are you? Well, it is. It's disappointing being competitive, but not being actually fast. But not being able to compete in your yeah, brain anyway. Right. Yeah. Do you ever think that you could just be competing against yourself and that would be a better, like just to do better today than you did yesterday? Yeah, I've tried that. Um, doesn't work all that well because I'm actually essentially lazy. So <laughs> any excuse to stop or slow down and I'll stop and slow down. So why are you still running? Because <laughs> it's the fastest way to get fit and stay fit. And how long do you think you'll run for in your um, life? I don't know. I've lost the feeling in two of my toes now. Um, <laughs> And I believe that's from running. And uh, so, I don't know, it might fall apart shortly and might be able to run. Never know. But, yeah, at the moment, running's still pretty good. Though I think being a big bloke, it's probably long-term not good for my knees or my legs. So I probably should start doing a bit more riding again or swimming even. But, yeah. I know some older some older blokes who actually do a bit of swimming and a bit of running and a bit of riding, and they seem to be quite fit and healthy. So probably I should stick with that. You think you might emulate them? So just have a bit more cross training. A bit more cross training, yeah. And of course, bushwalking too, which we like. Yeah, well, to do. bushwalking is actually probably more enjoyable than anything. Um, it just requires carrying a pack most of the time, which is <laughs> can not, be a bit not so much fun. But it can be not so much fun if you're also a little bit heavy, a little bit overweight, and a little bit unfit. Carrying a pack for the first couple of days isn't particularly pleasant, but um, after that, it's okay. By day four, are you feeling fit again? <laughs> Where do you like to run the most? What kind of runs? Uh, trail runs, probably. Mm -hmm. Why? Actually, there are some... I like flat runs. don't <laughs> particularly like hilly runs. <laughs> so if it's flat... Um, I'm not that uncomfortable. If it's not bitumen, that's probably better for me. Although I don't mind bitumen because you can set up a pace and maintain the pace. Whereas if, when you're running on trails, the pace seems to vary a fair bit. And so it also requires that extra motivation to um, keep pushing on a trail. And I said, you know, basically lazy, so any excuse to slow down and I will. So <laughs> that's the problem with the trail. Sometimes I find I'm getting slower and slower and slower. What is it you like about the trail, though, apart from, you know, the fact that it can be, you know, undulating, as you said? Your first response was the trails that you like in best well, way. Do you think that is? Mainly because I like being in the bush still. I still yeah. love being anywhere. In fact, I love the forests that we went running through in uh, England and other places. Mm -hmm as well so any sort of wilderness is good for me mm -hmm. not particularly well you as you know i'm not particularly interested in suburbia at all mm -hmm. you so, like to get out and 
yeah. see the world. Would you call yourself a reluctant runner? Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely reluctant. I think you are. Would you call yourself a runner at all? No, I'm not a runner. You're not a runner? No, I just run to keep fit. So I certainly have never competed running. Yeah. Uh, the only time that I've actually competed in something like that is in Rogani. And there's a lot of walk running and, and stuff in Rogani. But I've got you know, a problem with cramping. And mm -hmm. most Rogans are, you know, eight hours or more. And generally by eight hours, I can't move anymore. I'm cramped up so much. So I didn't do that many Rogans that were very comfortable. So I don't know whether, although I enjoy that side of it, um, you know, I still can't be competitive in it either because of my physiology. I just get cramps. So do you think, I mean, it does seem to me in our conversation, you've used the word competition quite a bit and that is an element of your character or your something to do with your motivations to do stuff. Is that ability to be able to compete and to do well when you compete? Yeah, well, yeah. No, always, if I see a runner ahead that I think mm -hmm. I can catch. By the way, not just a runner, also a driver or a rider or <laughs> anything just in front. Yeah, I tend to try and catch them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like on the bike, I'll always have a crack at someone if I see them, you know, half a k away. Yeah. Up in front, I'll catch them. No matter how much that's hurting. Um, Except when it was Richie Port. Yeah, I did catch up to Richie Port one day and he burnt me off up a hill pretty badly. Pretty quickly. Mind <laughs> you, he was on his road bike and I was on a mountain bike. <laughs> he smashed it, honey. Come he on. Smashed me big time, <laughs> <laughs> he smashed me big time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the time I got to the top of Muddy Creek Hill, I couldn't see him any longer. Mostly well, because of the tears in your eyes. <laughs> He was like uh, probably a kilometre and two kilometres yeah. away from me. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so com competition or being a competitive human would be one of your characteristics, you think? Yep, it is. Certainly, um, yeah, I certainly was reasonably competitive in the rowing field and very competitive in the, in the field events, um, javelin, discus and... And jumping. So I guess one of the questions to ask them, I mean, I'm often talking to people who are committed runners, unlike you, who is a reluctant runner. Um, in your future going forward, like when I say, do you think you'll run forever? Instead, um, do you think you'll always move? Like, like doing some sort of movement. It doesn't have to be a sport per se. It could be making sure you're always bushwalking or you're always like, well, cycling have, or swimming I or whatever. I actually have to follow my mother's example here. Mm -hmm. but she's now 81 and what she came down to the beach with us on the weekend. She did. And she went swimming. She did. And she played games she and played. she walked all the way from one end of the Greens Beach to the other. She played catch with the ball. And catch with the ball. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking that the one thing that she's done consistently her whole of her life and she's not a runner at all but she has walked every day of her life. Being active. And it's been a minimum of a kilometre every day mm -hmm. and probably quite a bit more. And so being active like that, uh, I think actually sets you up very well for a long, well, for a long life mm -hmm. and an active life, somewhere where you can actually keep doing stuff as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, to come out in the water at 81 and actually throw a ball 
reasonably well while you're standing in the water. I was pretty impressed. My mum was still doing that at 81. That's very good. Yeah, she wasn't. I think she'd probably be sore, sore the next day, but uh, yeah, she uh, was still having go at it. That was awesome. So I've seen plenty of people who are in the 70s who can't do that. That's true. Yeah. So being, I guess being active is important to you longitudinally, like through your life. Yeah, and certainly my grandparents were the same. They played golf and uh, played a lot of golf. My paternal father and maternal grandmother, um, they both played golf and they lived to very old ages as well. So, and we're still active. Mm. Um, so I think that being active is a key role to being active when you're older in your life and staying active. So yeah, and since one of my loves is actually to be in the bush, I would, you know, and bushwalking, I think I will try and maintain at least walking. Yeah. And, you know, not just a kilometre, a couple of kilometres or more a day. I normally ask people what kind of things they think about when they're running. But for you, maybe, what kind of things do you think about when you're being active? You know, in those times when you're not necessarily chatting to someone if they're next to you or whatever. What do you, what kind of things go through your mind? When you're, say, out there bushwalking or on a long training run or whatever. I'm not certain I can bring those up here. <laughs> Without any detail. <laughs> like, are you checking off lists? Are you being, you know, what kind well, of I have on numerous thing? occasions tried to do mathematics when I've been running. Yeah. And that has very limited um, results. Mm -hmm. I mean, some algebraic mathematics is almost impossible to do when you're low oxygen. And some just numerical mathematics is pretty hard. Like to one do. plus one. <laughs> it's pretty hard to do. <laughs> so, um, but I do try and do that. I also think uh, quite a bit about issues mm -hmm. that are actually yeah. bugging me. They're like problem solving. Problem solving, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of problem solving when I'm running, mainly because it's just free time to be doing it. Mm -hmm. um, not always successful problem solving, though, when you're running. I really find that. There's not the clarity okay. that you require. Why do you think that is? I reckon if you're low on oxygen. <laughs> Your body's too busy trying to survive, you think? Yeah. Well, it depends. I expect quite often I'll find if I'm thinking about something intensely as I'm running, I'll find that I'm suddenly stopped and I'm walking. Okay. And so that's what happens. I've, in fact, I'm doing that more regularly these days because any excuse to stop and walk. <laughs> and so I'll, um, I'll be running along and do two or three kilometres and go, oh, that's an interesting thought, and I'll just suddenly be walking. You stop and focus on it. Yeah, focus on it. Yeah. yeah. So that was what I'll do. Yeah, that's getting more regular. That's probably <laughs> because I don't have anyone to chase at the moment. Oh, we're all too slow for you? Yeah. You're running hills and I'm running flat. Okay, we're, we're too mountain goat-like for you then. Yes, you do tend to want to go up the hills a bit more. And I'm not interested in those <laughs> at the moment. I always didn't understand that with John because um, John always was against, we're talking about... A friend of ours. A friend of ours, mm -hmm. probably shouldn't bring his name up. But anyhow, <laughs> John um, was always said that he's, A, never likes trail running and B, doesn't like hills. Uh, yet he's a reasonably good hill runner and trail runner and runner all together. Um, but I can understand it now because 
that little bit of extra exertion going up the hills can be a bit frustrating. So. <laughs> can you think of a time running? I know this will be a hard question for you. Especially when you're heavier. The hills <laughs> are harder when you're heavier. You. Can you think of a time when you've been running where actually everything felt really good? Like whether you were training for one of those marathons or you're out on a trail somewhere. I think the first time I did um, a, a half marathon, yeah, the first half marathon in Queensland that I yeah. did. Yeah, the Gold Coast. The Gold Coast half. Um, I wasn't expecting to do go quite as well as I did in that, and it was quite comfortable. So that was actually quite a nice run. Yeah. And there was actually no one else I knew, I think, in that race at all. So I just... Running along. There was always someone to chase probably ahead of you. There was too. always someone to chase. And there was a few people going past me as well. So it was actually it was actually quite good. And uh, running back into the, uh, into the crowd wasn't too bad either. Mm. It was quite nice. So that was a good, and that was the first long distance run that I'd done. That was an event, I think, wasn't mm. it? Yeah, I think so. And yeah, apart from a couple of triathlons and stuff I did in my early years, that was the, you know, the, the longest distance run I've done. And it also showed me that I could probably do a marathon. So, well, the next one was Melbourne Marathon. I right? think, yeah, a year yeah, later. A year later, Melbourne Marathon. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know, why did we decide to train for that? Because you were doing it, and I thought I'd better have a crack at it. Is that it? I think, as with, has been the case for many of your runs, definitely all of the marathons it's i'm doing it and so you've decided you should probably do it too if i'm going to be training you may as well be training with me that's, that's been right. like i said an accidental kind of it it's a bit of one of those things you're going to go and spend a couple of hours each sunday running i may as well be there as well hmm. so maybe that's one of been one of your motivators is being able to spend time with me i.e if I'm going to be training for a longer distance, it means quite a considerable time um, element if you're doing traditional training for a marathon. And because we're quite a close couple, you're, you then go, well, I may as well come out and do it anyway. It can't be bad for me because I'm moving. Although it's yeah, except for the running. last marathon I trained for. That, that was bad for you? It wasn't very pleasant <laughs> at all. No, so I don't think I'll do that again. Um, and of course, there's always the running club where you go away on Saturdays and I spend the whole day by myself, which is pretty good. Which you, you like kids, doing. Yeah, which I like. <laughs> and so I'd have although, time. When I have done like, the longer one last year, you still came and trained with me up to the 15, 18K. Yep. And then you got on the bike. Yep. Well. Right. So you have found ways to support me and, you know, for us to do it together in some way too, which has been really nice. Yep. That's I have right. done that. In fact, I think I should be on the bike more often. If while I'm running. Yeah, while you're running. I'll <laughs> go on the bike and ride alongside. A question that I ask most people is, how do you think running has improved your life? So if you didn't have running or haven't had running in your life, what would be missing? Well, as I said, I'm basically lazy and I get lazier as I get heavier. Uh, I think that's just a physiological thing. Um, I see that in a lot of people when they get heavier they get lazier and so 
having been heavy a few times, um, I know that it's really hard to get off the couch and do anything, mm -hmm. including anything else you want to do, even like mowing the lawn or doing yep. some gardening. Um, and up until recently, I've tried to fit in a fair bit in each day. Mm -hmm. And so not being fit means you can't fit in quite as much in each day. Mm -hmm. And certainly not being fit means you can't go for a longer walk and you can't carry a heavier pack. Or you can't do as much wood chopping as I need to do each year to get firewood in. So you, you think the running supports the other things you want to do in life because you need to be a bit fitter to be able to fit them all in? I think it gives you the energy and doesn't make things as hard. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what it just gives you the energy, doesn't make things as hard to do. I mean, getting up and going for a run is hard, but once you've recovered, your body's generally in a better position to do more work or so how, to do more stuff. Yeah. How do you consistently get out the door, Simon, for us? How do I get out the door? How do you get out when we know there's a run that's a Tuesday or a Friday? How do you do that? Uh, it's been harder recently. Mm -hmm. Since I had cancer, it's been harder mm -hmm. to do. I mean... Um, Why do you think that is? Well, I don't know. It's, um, it was a period after my operation where I had probably six months, well, I had what, a couple of months of recovery, then I had six months of really good running. Mm -hmm. And then we trained for that long event with you. Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning of last year, wasn't it? Yeah. And then since then, it's been harder. Is it because we're not training for anything specific? It's because we're not training for anything specifically. Yeah. We're just going out for the run. Mm -hmm. So. And I expect you, I probably need a little bit more motivation than just running each day. I will say you don't, um, getting you out the door is not difficult, as in I'm going, so you're going. Like you don't ever say I'm not going today unless you really have something no, else on. You always I, go. I know how important it is to me to stay relatively fit. And, you know, although I like walking, walking takes, you, know, you have to do at least three times the amount of time mm. to get the same level of fitness. So. If I can go for a run for half an hour to an hour twice a week rather than walking for six or seven hours a week, it it's makes... a lot more time efficient. Yeah. So, yeah. Although I'm not certain it's as good for you as walking. I think walking is probably better for you because walking is less stressful and mm -hmm. it keeps you all, as we found with a lower heart rate running, that um, lower intensity running is probably better for you than higher intensity running. So all those runs we used to do at rowing when we were like a 3K sprint before we went out and did weights probably wasn't all that good for the heart mm. and uh, probably wasn't all that good for um, our endurance as well. Mm -hmm. And it probably wasn't, probably exhausted us too much to then go and do the weight session afterwards that we used to do all the rowing. Um, we probably should have done longer, slower jogs mm -hmm. <laughs> and then done more intense rowing and more intense um, uh, weight sessions. Mm. But I don't know. It's probably because I certainly found that the heart rate 
running we did last year was more beneficial uh, in being able to keep us running for longer at a more comfortable pace as well. You found that um, when you did want to go faster, it was there too, didn't you? Yeah. Because we were doing a little bit of speed work as well, the shorter yeah. speed session. I thought I wanted to go faster. I just wanted to go to run longer. <laughs> well, but you do like to catch the person who's in front of you, though. Yeah, to an extent. Because <laughs> I, I did actually do some rowing coaching a few, oh, like 10 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, about 10 years ago. I made the mistake of getting in the boat a couple of times. And, of course, you actually, and racing in the boat. And, of course, you try and do what you used to be able to do. And I remember getting to the finishing line of one of those races and thinking, oh, I'm going to have a heart attack <laughs> because I wasn't able to breathe. Um, I'd gone too hard and I was just about collapsing in the boat. Mm. And I've found that a couple of times when I've gone too hard running as well. I don't actually want to do that anymore. Not actually that keen on being beating other people if I'm going to drop dead on the spot. <laughs> so... Um, earlier, I mean, earlier you mentioned your cancer. Yeah. How do you, do you think that's changed how you're looking at activity in your life now? I mean, I know we've, we've always been, the two of us have always been pretty focused on trying to stay fit so that we have longitude in it, like <clears throat> that we're around for a long time and that we're physically healthy in, so we can enjoy the long time. How do you think the having cancer has changed your views on that or has it just reinforced it? I don't know. Really, cancer is a big shock to me. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I just spent two months down in the southwest um, on a boat with doing lots of activity down there. And with Robin Bev. With Robin Bev and I wasn't exactly unfit. I felt reasonably fit and healthy just had this lump that was growing. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, next thing you know, especially when they found out what type of cancer it was, and within a week I was in the operating theatre. Mm, very quick. And so I had this big chunk of meat taken out of me. Then you just live in fear of getting, getting cancer again. Do you think it makes you feel less bulletproof, perhaps? Definitely but... less, less bulletproof. Mm -hmm. I'm going from bulletproof where, you know, I thought I could probably live down in the wilds of the West without any problem like Denny King did, <laughs> to going, well, actually, i got to hang around closer to doctors just in case. Mm -hmm. So that's a big shift in psyche. Does it motivate you, though, to try and stay to fit and healthy as much as you can? Does it motivate you towards that? Or do you think you're still in, because it's only been two years, you're still feeling... A bit of shock from that diagnosis. Well, no. I look at all the other people out there who don't do any exercise, mm -hmm. who are basically obese, unhealthy, smoking, doing drugs. Mm -hmm. Living for a long time, some of them. Is Living that what for you're a long thinking? Time without <laughs> cancer. But are they happy? Well, I don't know. <laughs> But they live for a long time without cancer and or without a major illness, mm -hmm. and so there are plenty who do all the, that and don't is, live a long time too. The question though. is, does it really matter? <laughs> and um, I don't know, the only thing I do know is that without being fit, everything else is a lot harder to do. Yep. 
So you're less happy, perhaps. If you're not feeling fit and feeling fit and healthy, yeah. you're less happy. I'm less happy. As I'm a less human. capable of doing the stuff that I'm used to doing. But mm-hmm. then again, that could be because of having a high level of fitness most of my life. Mm-hmm. If I had not had a high level of fitness and the status quo was, you know, a packet of chips and a beer each night, <laughs> sitting in front of the television, perhaps um, I would be content with that. Maybe. Maybe. I, I could it's think it's what you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, you build yourself into a lifestyle. And um, if you're not following that lifestyle, mm. you're probably not as happy as you should be. Because mm. I had a grandmother who was after the war, um, came to Tasmania, and all she did was literally sit around and eat. Mm-hmm. And and cook and eat and look after her husband. And she was a little five foot two high blip, quite a big fat lady. And um, she lived to 86. She was very loving there, wasn't she? Yeah, she very was. Caring. She lived to 86 and she actually had a heart attack going to visit her 90 year old friend in Trevellon. She walked up the steps to her friend's place and died, up the, mm-hmm. died on her doorstep. Um, but as I was saying, she was anorexic when she came out of the prison camp uh, at the end of the war. But then within a couple of years, she was a splimp. Mm. And so she was a, a very large, slow moving, very small <laughs> range of movement person. Yet she lived a very long time. To lived experience. Yeah. But to me, though, all that really says is that we don't know what our bodies will be like for the rest of our lives or how long our bodies will give us. And I, with the facts that I know, I can't unknow them about what it's like to be fitter and healthier and how it makes me feel. I can't not know that now. So I, can't, I, I don't feel like I've got much choice in my own mind. I want to stay feeling healthy because I know what it feels like to be not healthy and not fit in my mind. So Perhaps that's the secret to don't start running. Don't start running at all. Don't start running. I don't think that's true. If and you're listening start... to this, you should ignore him and this is where he's don't becoming. Don't start running at all and remain <laughs> unfit and unhealthy. You won't notice the difference. And then you could die even earlier. Well, if you, you do not. all of the healthy things, that we know science has told us are good for us. If we do all of those, the chances are your longevity will be extended to if you hadn't. Doesn't mean you won't get hit by a bus. Doesn't mean all these other things won't happen. But you have, you're giving yourself the best chance of living a long and healthy life, whether that is what happens or not. Well, no, I think it's, it's not always out in your control. Well, that's important. That. I think it's actually got to do with how much you want to get done in a day. Okay. Being fit and healthy means you can do more, basically. Mm-hmm. So if you that motivation to get some stuff you the done, ability to achieve get out things and do more in a day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tick things off. Well, just in, if you want to achieve stuff in life, then I think being fit and healthy is important. Um, if you and that again, that's on a physical plane as well. It's not necessarily on a mental plane. I don't know if you've got a good brain and you're able to sit and think and ponder mm-hmm. and achieve stuff that way, then perhaps activity 
fitness is not that important to you. But if you actually want to get out and do stuff when you've got an active lifestyle, then being fit and healthy mm -hmm. is important. I would probably argue with that, as you would understand, <laughs> expect, uh, because there are a lot of very smart scientists out there who have said that if you have a choice, being fit and healthy is a much better place to be irrelevant of your brain power. If you physically are able to keep yourself in, not only that, you'll be able to think better. There's so much science that says if we are yeah. healthy, we, our brain works better. So if you're already some kind of mensa, clever person, thinking amazing solutions for our planet, you'll be an even more clever, smarter person creating amazing things for our planet if you are fit and healthy. It's well, just science. Certainly observationally, having, you know, I did programming and was a programmer for 10 or 12 years, and that's all I did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, programming is essentially sitting on your backside for a long period of time mm -hmm. each day. And I did programming with lots of smart people um, and working on projects together. And I did find that majority of the best programmers were the ones that were actually out that were either triathletes or they were runners or they were rock climbers yeah. and they stayed very active and fit they were the better thinkers um they were the more productive um coders agile body agile mind probably but they tended to be the better ones mm. um so I think it's probably true that fitness plays a big part in um, mental agility as well as physical agility. Yeah. So it's not just probably true. The science says it's true. Yeah, well, I don't want to go with that. I'll just go with what I know. <laughs> okay. So one of the questions I ask everyone before we get into an argument, not that we would ever have a discussion, honey. I'm just thinking, how long is this going for? <laughs> it's okay. We'll wrap it up in a minute. Um we what I always ask people towards the end is is there anything about running that we haven't covered that you think we should have but I'm going to put a caveat caveat on it for you and say anything positive about running that we haven't covered that you think we should have why can't I cover negative things <laughs> I think you've already covered the negative things basically we're all made to run our bodies are physiologically most of us are made to run in some way, otherwise we would have been eaten or not caught our food in historically. Um, I, I, so I, I think anyway, what's I your... think that we were made to run to a to avoid being eaten. Yes. And possibly to spend you know, a reasonable amount of time in a hunt running. Mm -hmm. I'm not certain we were made to run long distances particularly it depends what tribes walk, you look at you can look at tribes so they or trot at the trot for a long distance yeah. perhaps okay um so, so well, is there anything positive about running that we haven't covered that you think we should uh well i think you probably have to go with the mental health issue there's nothing playing sorry that was siri adding to our conversation <laughs> uh, it was very strange. What did I say that God has... I don't know. You said something about mental health and running and the positive elements. Well, yeah, I think so. Um, certainly in this day and age where we don't have a lot of time that is just personal time, like self-time, 
and if we are sitting down and having personal time, very few people read these days. They tend to absorb social media or uh, watch television or listen to other things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, podcasts and stuff. You're not giving yourself the downtime that I believe that we do actually need. Yeah. And that um, we used to get through the mundane tasks of you know, either collecting, collecting materials to live by, so mm -hmm. foods and stuff, or collecting stuff to shelter us, which are just basically times where you're just doing something mundane and repetitive. Mm -hmm. Sort of like a meditation. Yeah. Um, running gives you running or exercise gives you that time where you essentially you can talk to other people, but it's not particularly easy. Yeah. And that getting into a uh, a rhythm and a stasis of some sort where you can be content with what you're doing mm. um, is a relaxation to us to an extent. And certainly the biochemical aspects of running the endorphins that cut in um give you you know one of life's hives as well so it's actually quite enjoyable that way what did I you just say admit, something positive about running i must admit that uh the endorphin side of running once you do get to a point where you get over that i really can't do it i don't feel like doing this today and you get into rhythm and the rhythm is maintained for a period of time. Yeah, you do get a state of, it's almost euphoria. I wouldn't say it's euphoria. It's definitely, you get a state of comfort. <laughs> it doesn't last for very long, <laughs> I tell you, but you do get a state of comfort. Satisfaction. Satisfaction. Empowerment. Yeah. Empowerment, all those things, yeah. A confidence in yourself. Um, so, yeah, that's a, an important part of running, I think. Excellent. Well, thank not you. You did actually. Not actually the, the reason why I run, though. <laughs> That's not the reason you run, though. Thank you for sharing a positive aspect of running. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. The last question that I ask everyone mm -hmm. is Can I have some running tips for beginner runners? Running tips for beginner runners. Yeah. So people who want to run, not like you, people who actually want to run or they've decided that uh, it's a good thing they want to give it a go. What would you suggest to get them started and keep them running? Um, I think the only thing that I would suggest is that you can actually do it. Just that. Nike ad then. Just yeah, well, do it. It's actually not that hard. That's the one thing that I would say is that Walking is easier, but running is not that much harder than walking. It's just one foot in front of the other? Well, yeah, it's not real. Any, There's no... Barrier? There's no, no real preparation required. There's no... Because there's no real preparation required, you can actually do it in bare feet. And I've actually seen a couple of bikes running around, even in Tasmania, in bare feet. Uh, Yes, and if you do actually just start off with going, well, I can just run 100 metres, get the exhilaration of that, uh, then, you know, extend it mm -hmm. or do the walk-run thing. It's actually pretty easy to get going. 
What about things like park run? You have been known to go to a park run or two. Yeah, but again, I don't like park run either. It's just. What about for people who aren't you? (laughs) I have done park runs and I can see the advantage of it for people who are social and they like to run with other people or they're competitive and they find the gaming aspect of it is good. It's great. If you if you rely upon gaming to get you motivated or the competitive aspect to get you motivated, then park runs really good. But if you don't like doing that sort of thing, which I don't. Well, you I don't, don't like the social side. Well, I don't like that. I don't like the competitive side because I feel that I need to be competitive when I'm there. Mm-hmm. And I don't actually... As I said, I'm not a fast runner, so I'm not actually a particularly competitive runner, and that and annoys me quite a bit. Uh, you so. are actually a bit social too, though, aren't you? Now I think about it. In those circumstances, you do spend time chatting with people that you know. Yeah, I do, but I don't go over way to do it. <laughs> so <laughs> you're funny. Anyhow, that yeah, park runs okay. So it's the not... tips for people for beginners are. Just get going. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. That's it. Just get started. It's just, and you don't actually have to do it consistently for the first month or two, but you do have to do it consistently if you want to get fit and stay fit. Yeah. That is consistency is the key to running. Mm-hmm. It's just doing it every day or every second day, or whatever you set up to be your time frame. Yeah. Consistency is the only thing that's required. Yeah. So distance is... Um is not an element either, I guess, no. in that way. You could run no. for just 1K a day, yep. for example. It's just consistent. I mean, if you're looking at training effect, then the minimum time is 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. If you want to get training effect and you want to improve, then you need to make sure that it's 30 minutes as a minimum. Yeah. But apart from that, it's consistency. If you did 30 mm-hmm. minutes every day, seven days a week, you'd be very fit very quickly. Mm. Um, if you do it, only 30 minutes twice a week, then you'll stay about as fit as you are at the moment. Yeah. And that's it. So, which is about what I'm doing at the moment, which means I'm not really improving. So, we need to uh, kick it up. We do actually need to um, kick it up a bit and we need to get another one or two runs in a week. Yeah. Yeah. At the moment, to get a bit of improvement because COVID times meant that we both got a bit heavy. Speak for yourself. Well, okay. (laughs) I've got a bit heavy. And you've just got cuddly. I got a little bit cuddly. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, uh, we need to pick it up again just to, um, to, to yeah, just get, so we're not quite as, well, at least so I'm not quite as lazy as I feel at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's it. All right. Well, honey, it has been a delight to I'm have sure. you on board. I, yes. I, I hope that everyone else has, uh, <laughs> has enjoyed listening to you and, and getting to know you a little more and see what I have to put up with. No, <laughs> oh, Good. you're amazing. Um, it is true though that he's never listened to one podcast, so he's going to think they're all just like this. Maybe yeah, one day he will. No, he won't be listening to this one either. Um, anyway, again, thank you so much for coming on. I do appreciate. Pleasure, it. I'm sure there'll be lots of people. I'm sure wanting to listen. I'm sure to I'll me. get on here again at some stage. I'm sure you will. I want to do a part two. Maybe. Do you have a question for Simon? Can we all change no, his no, opinion no. on? <laughs> running a bit that would be interesting (laughs) maybe i'll get other people on and they can question you about running (laughs) thank you for listening to the fit mind fit body podcast 
I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. For a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit, head over to the website fitmindfitbody.co and I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye.